So, this is Vibe Drop episode 112. And we're going back to Toronto to pluck one of their other awesome creators and the camera scene, baby. Woo, we got a smooth Sony operator coming up next on Vibe Drive, which starts now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech. And welcome back to another episode of Fight Drive. This is the podcast about tech hosted by the man about tech. And tonight, we got another guy from Toronto who is doing big things in the camera game. We got camera gear expert. We got a filmography expert. This dude is moving. If they come, let's bring in Lee Zavage to the podcast. What's up, man? How you doing? Yo, what's up, man? I'm the smooth camera operator. Like I said, I've seen the content. I know what you can do out there. I've seen what you've been doing out there, man. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. So first question I ask every first time guest that comes to the podcast, Lee, what brought you to YouTube? So I'm just a camera tech nerd at heart any type of tech, computers, photography, everything. And at the time, I was super stoked on all the stuff that was coming out. And my roommate, I was always talking to him about it because I didn't really have anyone else to talk about. And obviously, he wasn't really too into that stuff. So he was like, yo, you should start a YouTube channel to talk about this stuff. So that's kind of where it started. Um, I have a background in photography and video. So kind of kind of was already working out because I had the gear. Ah, that's what's up, man. That is what's yeah. up. So... How long have you been on YouTube? Um, I I would say four years. I started taking it seriously probably the last three years. Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah. Nice. nice. Now, there is a lot of YouTubers in Toronto, and there's a lot of, like, there seems to be a lot of camera YouTube people in Toronto. Do y'all have, like, little, like, big meetups and things? Y'all just get together and, like, shoot? all day and night. How does that work exactly? Yeah, there's little communities. Um, I'm not in with like the Peter McKinnon dope squad people, but um, we have like a little community in Toronto. We hang out and stuff. We've had meetups. Um, you know, I, I know people who know Peter McKinnon, but I'm I'm not like, uh, I don't think he knows who I am. I don't know, man. You might be surprised. Maybe. maybe. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big city. YouTube is a big place, but at the same time, you'd be surprised how small it is. Um, um, you'd be surprised who knows what you're doing out there and things like that. People pay attention. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's come across one of my videos. So, let's get to the big news of the day, Mr. Lee. Ooh. And that is Canon and their big-time announcement. Not one, but two cameras Canon announced today. The R5 and the R6. Now, it's a little confusing because you would think with the, the way the numbers go, that the R6 would be the better camera. But in actuality, the R5 is actually the better camera. So can you please explain to us, given that you're the camera expert, can you please explain the difference between the R5 and the R6? So they've kind of done it in the same way that their like DSLRs were. So the 5D was the better camera, and then the 6D was kind of the, the little brother, more entry level. In this case, I would say that the R6 is quite a bit better than an entry-level camera, but essentially the headlines, the R5 can shoot 8K video in a mirrorless body. It's 45 megapixels. 
It has in-body image stabilization, and it can get up to like eight stops of stabilization if you have a lens that also has stabilization, which I think is the best for a full-frame camera right now. So like the specs are insane. It shoots raw video, uh, 4K, 120 frames per second. Um, it's basically just like Canon just going with a friggin' hammer in every other camera company's face. And so it's pretty cool because they're setting the bar way high with this camera. And I'm kind of excited to see what other companies are going to come out with. I mean, it's kind of uh, the boss kind of in Sony's court right now to see what they're going to come out with. And so then they've also come out with the R6, which is kind of like the little brother to this camera. It doesn't shoot raw video, doesn't shoot 8K, but it will shoot 4K at 60 frames per second. And that's also 10 bit. Uh, but it's only 20 megapixels, which is interesting. So it's kind of tough. What do you think? Are you a Sony shooter? I am. I'm actually streaming on an A73 right now. I'm streaming on an A6100. I, I, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm not a, I, by no means am I a camera expert or a camera nerd. Um, I got the A73 because that was, that was uh, when I got it back last year, that was the camera that most of the, the, the bigger creators were using, and they four by and. I was looking at their their footage and film. I'm like, okay, this looks good. I want one of those. So mm -hmm. I went out and got an A73. I have no regret. It's an amazing camera. Probably won't get a new camera for a few years down the line, but um, I know that other creators had like a lot of wishes for these new camera uh, Canon cameras. And it seems like Canon made a lot of people happy today, especially with the pricing of these cameras, because it seems like a lot of people expected these cameras to be over six thousand dollars, but I R5 so. is like at four thousand. The R6, I think, comes in at like 2500 So, <clears throat> things like Canon made a lot of people happy today. Yeah, I mean, it's still 6000 in Canada, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right, right. It's definitely way cheaper than I thought. Like, I, I was on Twitter when it first was announced. I'm like, this there's no way this camera's going to be under $6,000. There's no way they can pull off those specs for under that because it's higher than some of your cinema cameras. So, I'm pretty impressed. I mean, it's still kind of out of my my budget right now when I don't really necessarily need this type of camera, but I am looking at the R6. Ah, okay. So you are so even though you are a Sony shooter, you are looking closely at their R6, huh? Okay. I'm kind of both. I ha I have actually have equal amounts of Canon lenses and uh I own a Canon C two hundred and I also own a Canon five D Mark Four. So I still shoot with Canon, but not like as much. I've kind of, I just like the ease of use with Sony. It's just, you know gotcha. it. I have an A7 III as well. All right. So I get to put you on a spot since you have both Sony and Canon. So okay. I've been asking the questions to all the camera people that have been coming on the podcast lately. So Lee, I got to ask you, who has the better autofocus? Is it Sony or is it Canon? Um, I've said this before, actually, and, and I'll admit that Sony definitely has the best autofocus still. It's the most reliable autofocus. Like it's going to do the same thing every time. So like if I was to throw something in front of the camera right now, it's going to focus on my hand every time. And I know it's going to go right back to my face with some other cameras. It's Canon's pretty good. Canon's face detection, but I, I just feel like Canon will sometimes hunt. That said, I haven't tried you know, the R5 and the R6 is supposed to have a new version of dual pixel autofocus, which I'm kind of excited to see. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Usually when I ask a question, 
there's a little waffling back and forth, but you know, you gave me a straight up answer. All right, I can respect that. Respect I've that. yeah, I've used both extensively. So when it comes to these new Canon cameras, the R5 and the R6, what are you excited for the most? Well, I, I would definitely say so. I also do. I'm also a photographer. I do a lot of portrait photography as well, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see the the new autofocus, like the eye detection, because it was kind of hit or miss in the USR, and that was their kind of newest autofocus system at the time. And I want to see what it compares to, like with the Sony A7 III, because that camera just like locks on like crazy. And so for portrait photography, I'm excited to see the eye detection. I'm excited to actually see what the 4K 60 would look like out of the R6 because it's not the higher bit rate. It's a lower bit rate. It's more like something Sony would do. And so I'm excited to check that out. And then obviously, if I ever do get an R5 in, I'm, I'm working on it. We'll have to see what that AK RAW looks like. Ooh, you want to move up to the big league, man. Yeah, okay. yeah I want to I want to max out all my hard drives with 10 minutes of video. <laughs> <laughs> you will max them out pretty quick if you keep shooting at AK for sure, man. Woo. Yeah, it's like a 128 gig CF Express card is only like 13 minutes of video. What? So, wow. yeah, it's pretty pretty beefy. Ooh. Now, I know a couple of people that are shooting AK in the tech space, MKBHD, Jonathan Morrison. You know, they they are up yeah. there with that AK. But I don't know. I just I just kind of feel like for YouTube that might be like slight overkill. So do you think that maybe shooting AK might be a little bit of an overkill for YouTube or you, are you just like, give me the highest quality possible and let the rest take care of itself? Well, they probably, sh- so they, if they're shooting on red, so they actually have the option of lowering the compression down. So the bit rate could be a little bit more manageable, but to answer your question, I mean, if you have the tech to do it, why not? You know, like that's, from the start of my channel, I've shot 4K. So four years ago, pretty much every single one of my videos is in 4K. If I'm shooting slow motion, obviously I was only able to do 1080p, but I'll just upscale it to match. But typically all my talking head stuff and as much B-roll as I can is shot in 4K. And it's just because there's no reason not to. Like storage is fairly cheap. Computers can handle it no problem now. And like every camera can pretty much shoot 4K. So I just see no reason why you wouldn't. Yeah, so if you can shoot 8K, shoot it. <laughs> he said, if you got it flaunted, I, I, you know, I respect that. I got hey, Flex no it. With that. Shout out to those of y'all listening on audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Job with me and Lee Zavage. I appreciate you guys rocking out with me each and every week on the podcast. If you want to go check out Lee's content, his information will be in the show notes. So definitely go check him out. He's legit. Also, if you want to support or donate to the podcast, that information will be in the show notes as well. Not required, but anything that you're willing to contribute is greatly, greatly appreciated. Also, if you have to be, if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover the show. And we're trying to get back into the top 200 of tech podcasts over on Apple Podcasts. So please, whatever you can do to contribute to that, please do so. It is greatly appreciated. And thank you once again for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. So. Lee, what is your what what are some of the things that you enjoy most about being a creator on YouTube? I've never been asked that before. Oh, I got I dumped mean, them. I dumped them, y'all. <laughs> you got the questions. Okay, so um I'd say the biggest thing, which I don't even know if it's related to the actual content, but it's just like the community that um is encompassing all of 
camera and photography and, and tech and everything. It's such an awesome community. And, you know, the people I've met and the friends I've met through it, um, there's no other way you could make these types of friends, like where you could find a group of people that are all like thinking the same way, you know? And I think it's definitely the biggest thing that I've definitely come out of this YouTube space that I'm the most appreciated about. And then obviously, you know, the viewers and making connections that way too. Yeah, I always talk about how awesome the community is, the creator community and just the whole community in its entirety, man. People are so supportive on YouTube and it's so awesome to be able to come on a platform and interact and talk to like-minded individuals who are passionate about the same things that you are passionate about. And For sure. it's, just, it's an amazing experience every time. Like yeah. I said earlier, I have been live with this podcast every night, damn near, for the past three weeks. But every night, at least 15 to 20 people, more sometimes, they keep coming back because they are passionate about technology like I am. And it's just amazing to be in a, a, a community and experience that type of passion and just camaraderie over a subject area, man. It's amazing, for real. Yeah, man. It's, it's like I said, There's I, I don't know how else you could find people like this. Like, there's forums and stuff, but you don't ever actually see the person or the personality. Right. And it's... It's cool to see that through everyone's content and videos. Definitely. And especially when you're live streaming, man, I think, I think, uh, especially, uh, fans and audiences are easier able to craft that relationship with their favorite creators when they are live streaming, because you get, you get to interact with them in real time. And there's not, I mean, I know for creators, sometimes live streaming could be a headache, but if we really think about it, there's nothing really quite like live streaming when it comes to, uh, audience interaction or creator audience interaction it's quite unique in its, in its own little way yeah live streaming is completely different too because you're like straight up talking to the person at the exact time and it's yeah. cool because you get the feedback through the, the chat and everything so i mean you're a monster you, you've been like <laughs> busting your butt every single day and i'm seeing it man it's good like i didn't even know about the live stream to be honest until uh i think you had gerald on last week or a couple right. weeks ago yep. um i've seen your actual YouTube videos, but never the live stream. And it's really cool. I've tuned oh, in a couple that times. That's cool. Because yeah, you, man. people find out about you through the live stream. I'm like, damn it, I make videos too. So it's cool that yeah. people actually see my damn videos. So that's nice. Yeah, I had no idea about this. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm out here. And you're on I'm episode 112. 112, man, yep. I'm and lagging it's behind. Because uh, before the year started, I think I ended last year episode 51 or 52 or something like that. <laughs> now I'm already on 112. <laughs> and we're only halfway through the year. Like, damn. Nice. Crazy out here. Crazy. So, I know you say you own Sony, you own Canon, but obviously there's other camera brands out there. You got Nikon, you got your Fuji. What do you think about the other brands that are out in the camera space? I shot with Fuji for a little while. Um, I was kind of coming out of Sony's earlier cameras, not really finding 100% what I liked about them, and then I kind of got into the Fuji system. And I would actually say that's kind of what, took my channel to the next level because I was kind of finding my way through Fuji and uh, buying lenses to actually put in my own collection and reviewing all the Fuji stuff coming out at the time. And so I have a fairly large Fuji following, which is pretty cool because I have a pretty good uh, relationship with Fuji Canada. So I can pretty much get whatever I need from them to review. And it's pretty sick. They'll hook me up. And so I review a lot of Fuji stuff as well. Um, but I don't personally shoot with Fuji right now. But 
Yeah, and I, I've shot with the GH5. I've shot. With, I haven't shot with Olympus. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, never really got into to Olympus for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. Too. But uh, yeah, Panasonic and everyone's making amazing cameras. Like <laughs> everyone's making awesome stuff. You know, it's funny you say that because especially within the past ten years since YouTube and video have in general have blown up. Everybody, all these camera companies are coming out making these mirrorless cameras, these DSLR cameras. I mean, camera technology over the past like three to four years has just grown exponentially oh, yeah. where it was before to what it is now. I mean, you got cameras on here with like Wi-Fi settings and like connectivity settings that they didn't have like just five years ago. And it's kind of amazing to see how far cameras have come in such a short period of time, man. It's, it's kind of incredible. Yeah, well, they're all in competition with each other. So it's like, this is, this is why I said like, the Canon R5 set the bar really high, and now all these camera manufacturers have to figure out how to get to that level too, you know? So it's good for the consumer, for these guys to keep pushing, right? It's the same with computers and graphics cards and all that stuff, right? You set the bar high, then the competition has to come up and match that. And so it's it's pretty crazy what's going on right now. It's, it's, a, it's the Wild West right now in the camera world, to be honest. You know, these third-party lens manufacturers and gimbal manufacturers, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned a third-party uh, lens manufacturer because I recently brought a Sigma lens from my Sony. I brought a uh, Sigma 24 to 70 millimeter f 2.8 Sigma lens. I ended up returning it because I was gifted a, a Sony G Master, and I mean, once Ooh. you go G Master, man, it's just... you got the 24 to 70 G Master. No, I have actually I have the uh, 24 millimeter f 1.4 G Master. Ooh, it's a nice lens. Yeah, like this lens has almost changed my life. <laughs> like, damn. Is that what you're on right now? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's serious. But uh, the the Sigma lens was still pretty good though. But it wasn't as good as the one lens I'm using. I'm using right now. So yeah. But it's just I'm, I don't know. I just find it interesting because usually when we talk about uh, mainstream consumers and and cameras, we're talking about iPhones or Android cameras and things like that. Nobody ever really thinks about the cameras that we as creators use, like the the mirrorless cameras, the DSLR things like that. Because, you know, those are extra accessories that we have to tote around and things like that. Tote them around and backpass and things. And you know how the thing goes. The best camera is the one you have with you. And we always have our phone with us. But I think because sites like YouTube and, and Instagram and things like that have blown up over the past 10 years, it kind of forced the camera manufacturers. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say it forced them. But it kind of gave the camera manufacturers a new, uh, a new breath of life kind of. Because you got creators that are using all sorts of cameras. You got creators using Canon, Sony, Fuji, Nikon, Panasonic. And it created so many opportunities for the camera industry to try to, like, get these creators bags and things like that. Because you got Peter McKinnon out here with 4 million subscribers. You got Mark Kent with 11 million. Casey Knight that has probably 12 or 13 million by now. <laughs> and there are so many new creators each and every year that are looking for their, uh, the top camera gear that... Like I said, it just give it's giving the camera manufacturers brand new life that they didn't have like maybe five, six, seven years ago. So, I mean, I think the creative community damn near has single handedly re-energized the camera industry as a whole. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think that the cell phone camera has pretty much destroyed the low end, like be beginner point and shoot cameras. Like when you see point and shoot cameras now, other than like the ZV-1, it's, it's, I just wouldn't recommend. 
anything. I would just say use your phone. So it's it's kind of put the cameras more to the high end market. I would say, um, like to get into a good camera, you got to spend over you know a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks, right? Yep. But your phone is t- pretty much in the exact same price range. But the difference is, you, it's a phone, so you can do everything with it. But I just think that I wouldn't recommend anything under. Like it's weird because someone actually came to me and asked me what I'd recommend them for six hundred dollars, and I'm just like. Ugh. It's tough. They're like, well, you know, they want that DSLR look, right? Right. And it's, I get that if you want that look, it's going to be tough to get into anything for under 1500 bucks, I think, unless you buy used. Obviously, there's tons of awesome used stuff out there. But I'm always going to recommend your phone over a point-and-shoot camera. Yeah, I mean, your phone is so much more functional than a, a dedicated camera. But like you said, if you want that DSLR mirrorless look, then you got to, you got to pay to play. You got to pay to play. Exactly. Yep. Man, it's rough out here. Got to sell kidneys. They're literally, a funny, <laughs> Terry Wolfie was uh, posting on Twitter about uh, which kidney we have to sell to get the uh, get one of these cannons, man. It's rough. Sell them both. Yeah, yeah, really. You have to. You almost have to sell them both because otherwise you're going to be SOL. <laughs> these cameras are so expensive. So earlier you were showing me your iPhone and you were installing the public beta on your iPhone. Please tell me you have another iPhone that is that is around there somewhere. That was not your main iPhone. It's ready to go. Yeah, this is my iPhone 10. Um, I wanted to try it out on that first. I have an iPhone 11 as well. Okay, true. This, this is my yeah. other phone. I, I said, I have told, I keep telling people, do not install beta software on your main device because that's, yeah. that's, not, that's not a road you want to travel down. <laughs> I can't take the risk because if I get like a business call come in or something and like the beta's glitching out and dropping yep. calls and I, I don't really want that but um i feel like everyone said the the developer beta was pretty smooth like pretty solid so they said this is public beta 2 right uh no this isn't the first public beta i think they're on developer beta 2 but this isn't the very first public oh, okay. beta. yeah i'm kind of stoked to check it out i mean there's things that i don't really care about but there's you know, there's lots of different improvements. I'm I'm curious to check out. I'm sure you've talked about it on other podcasts already. Oh yeah, I uh man, I love picture and picture on iPhone. Finally, yeah, finally. I mean, it's been on Android for so many years, and been on iPad for so long, but we finally got it on iPhone, and I couldn't be happier, man. Truthfully, nice. I'm excited to try it out. So you have two iPhones over there. I don't see any Androids over there. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that you prefer iOS over Android. Yeah, I have uh, a Galaxy S7 Edge, and that's kind of as far as I got with Android. Uh, I've been with Apple my entire, like, since the first iPhone came to Canada, which was the 3G. Mm-hmm. I got the old 8 gig iPhone 3G. I had that for three years because back then we had to be on a contract. And then I got the iPhone 4, and then I just had every iPhone after that. I, for the 4S, I was one of those super nerds that stayed in line overnight outside of the mall camped outside overnight and got Ooh. the uh i guess it was the 4s i also did that for the six but yeah i've had every single iphone since oh you camped out for iphones i've uh i haven't camped out but i know i've waited in line a couple of times for iphones definitely uh, i mean i mean you i mean if you're into iphones you got it i mean you gotta stay in line at least once at least once <laughs> yeah i'm uh I'm too old to do that now, so I'm glad we can pre-order it on the site. <laughs> it was killing me. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't really have to do it anymore because of pre-orders. Although I am mad 
that pre-order times change from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. Like, damn it, Apple. Why did you have to do that? Was that just for like the West Coast people or? Yeah, I, I guess they wanted people. They didn't They didn't like people staying up late at night. So they wanted to give people a chance to sleep, whatever. I mean, if you're excited to pre-order the iPhone, you don't care. No, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I kind of prefer staying up late at night, man, because I was kind of cool. I could do like live streams in the middle of the night and then pre-order the iPhone and then go to bed. But no, not anymore. <laughs> oh, man. So you, you said that your last Android was the Galaxy S7 Edge. Wow, that's a long, whoo. That, that's, some, that's some years ago, man. Yeah, I still have it. I use it for like random things. Like uh, I have actually just came out with some presets for Lightroom and I needed to make a help video on how to install them into the Android version. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to do some screen capture there and stuff, but I just, I find Android so clunky and I know that that's an old phone. It's not representative of what's currently out there, but I just, I don't know, man, iOS is so smooth and I have no complaints. Phone just works the way I want it to. And I don't have to think about it. And I'm sure you can agree with that. Oh, oh, hell yeah, absolutely. Especially and then the now the man, battery I mean, life is so good on them too, right? <laughs> Definitely. And like I said, especially for creators, I mean, if you have multiple Apple devices, I mean, AirDrop is your best oh, friend. Yeah, like the ecosystem is amazing. Like yeah. I'm working on stuff on my computer. I'm making like a TikTok video or an Instagram post. And I just flip it over to my phone. Don't even think about it. Done. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, now, it's what amazing. What computer do you have? So I have a 20... I have two two computers. I have a 20, I guess it's tw- the 2018 model, but it came out early 2019, uh, MacBook Pro, 15-inch. Okay. And it was a model with the Vega 20 in it. Okay. So it, it was like the best you could get at the time. So Vega 20 with 32 gigs of RAM, whatever, whatever. I think it was actually only six core. I don't think they had eight core back then. And then like literally two months after that, they came out with the eight core. And I was like, if it was within a month, I probably could have returned it. But yeah, and then I actually have a Hackintosh. That's my main computer that I work off of. Oh, um, oh, wow, I built okay. I built a Mac Pro replica. So it's a 14 core, 128 gigs of RAM. <laughs> uh, it's got a Radeon Vega, uh, Radeon 7 in it for a graphics card. Mm. Uh, it's I actually had dual GPUs in it, but I sold one of them because I wasn't really finding that I was getting an, like the performance you should be getting from two graphics cards. It was only getting like a 10% boost. So I got a little bit of money back on that, but yeah, it's a monster. Like it just shreds through everything I throw at it. I bet your Hackintosh doesn't cost like $50,000 though. <laughs> no, it was probably like four grand. Okay. Not bad at all, but it's, it's uh similarly spec to like a, like a $20,000 Mac pro. <laughs> Wow, that, that is that is the crazy thing about MacBooks and PCs. I mean, if for the two thousand dollars that you pay for a MacBook, you can get like a Uber Ultra Power PC or a laptop PC, or whatever. It's crazy. But as we know, Lee, Apple is beginning to transition over to their own silicon chips. So, what do you think about that? I knew you were going to ask me that. So, I don't think it's going to destroy the Hackintosh community for a little while, but I think it's going to put an end to it probably. Oh yeah. Um, I'm actually really stoked. I was on uh, the Golden Hour podcast last week with Dave Mays, and uh, we talked about this. And we were just talking about how, like, it's 
because it was the news was way more fresh back then but it's pretty crazy because like what they're going to be able to do with software in conjunction with the hardware now is going to be insane like flipping yep. cores on and off and power management is going to be insane so you know like think about an ipad that has no fan on it now take that chip and probably like boost it up another like 45 percent and stick a fan on it just in a little macbook what it's going to be able to do it's going to be crazy yeah and, and I mean, final cut's supposed to work on on the apple silicon now right I, I think it's out already right for the developers yeah the developer keeping it out already yeah I'm curious to see what that's going to be like. And we know it's crazy, man, because, I mean, these iPhones and iPads are already outperforming some laptops already. And we haven't even got to the uh, Apple putting them in actual MacBook shit. So when they put them in MacBook, look out world. And this chip is from last year, right? Like, it's the same yeah. one that's in the that's older two iPad. Two years ago, literally. Yeah, it's well, I have the older iPad Pro, the uh, not this year's, but last year's. And I think it's that processor, right? Yeah, right. Yep. So... They were showing it running like four streams of 4K or something like that. And even like I use LumaFusion on it and it's it rips through 4K video and it barely gets hot. So I'm I'm really curious what it's going to be like in an actual computer. Definitely. That's going to be end of this year. Yeah, um, we'll yeah, see like something they said on, at a WWDC. Like you said, uh, the first uh, Apple Silicon MacBooks are going to be released this year. So uh, now we don't know which one those would be, but they are definitely supposed to be coming by the end of this year. So happening pretty quickly yeah i'm stoked for it, man like it, it it reminds me of when they switched to intel and i was really like how what, what are they going to do like how's this going to work and i remember the exact same thing with rosetta when they had to all the power pc apps had to run through rosetta on intel and that seemed actually pretty seamless like i think we transitioned pretty quick so i'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to be with apple silicon i think it's going to be a pretty smooth transition yeah, I think it's going to be it'll probably be a quicker transition this time around because they've already been using these chips in other devices. So it's not like yeah, they for haven't sure. been using these chips before. I mean, these chips have been around in iPhones and iPads for, for a long time now. So it should be that should make the transition a little easier, especially when you consider that they've been working on Project Catalyst, which is trying to, which is them merging the apps and making these apps native on Mac OS anyway. So yeah, I think the transition is going to be probably easier than what they might anticipate, but uh. It can happen pretty quickly, I think, definitely. Yeah, and obviously they recoded the the entire operating system work with it. So yep. that's pretty exciting too. I haven't yeah, tried I haven't tried the beta. Oh, you haven't tried the beta yet? No. Yeah. I, I have it installed on one of my, my other MacBook. Uh it's it's okay. I mean it, it looks different. It's kind of like using an iPad on a MacBook with the way the interface looks and things like that, but obviously it's not touched though. But uh I mean, with the transition to Apple Silicon, we might be in for a touchscreen mat sooner rather than later. Yeah, there's a lot of hints towards it. Definitely. So you got an iPhone 10, you got an iPhone 11. Does that mean that you are going to be looking at the iPhone 12 this year? Yeah, I'll probably get it. <laughs> I just, it's, I don't even need it. Like the iPhone 11 is so good and it still doesn't even feel old yet. Do you feel that way? Like yeah, it, I, I, mean, just, still, I just I mean, feel like it just came out. Yeah, I mean, the phone still runs great. I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about iOS in general. It is so smooth and so just buttery, like, it's just snappy. And, it. I mean, an iPhone, I mean, even older iPhones, they never really feel, like, antiquated unless you're talking about design. If you're not talking about design, then the iPhones, the way they, they feel and run, they still run pretty smooth, even, like, four, five, six years down the line. So, 
Yeah. Uh, in that respect, iPhones are. I mean, I can see why they. Re- uh, I can see why they retain their high retail value because they <laughs> just hold up well over time. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think the oldest iPhone that was still supported was the iPhone 5s. I still have that around somewhere, and I kept it updated, and it's like still smooth, which is crazy. Uh, I don't think they're going to support it on this one. I think they ended nope. at 6s or yeah, the 6. Through the uh, cutoff. Yep. Yeah, and the original SE, right? Uh, actually, I think the original SE will be supported on this one. Yep. And the SE is basically a 6s, right? Like the guts inside of it. I believe so. That so would, yeah. Yeah. So that would make sense. But like, that's like how many generations ago? 6s, <laughs> 7. Like five years ago almost. 7s, 8, 10, 10s. Yeah, that's like seven generations ago. Like, think of an Android seven generations ago. Oh, God. It's crazy. Can't even use an Android from seven generations ago. <laughs> this isn't to anybody to hate, like, if you're an Android user, you know? Hey, hey, hey. We, we call it what it is. We love, here, we love we call everyone. It what it is. Ain't nobody using a seven-year-old Android. Nobody's using a seven-year-old Android. Not having it. No. No. Mm-mm. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Six, S, seven, eight, ten. 10s 11 yeah about five years since we uh since the apple iphone 6s was introduced definitely. and the did the se come out the same year as a seven uh i'm not sh- i think the se might have been 2016 maybe i'm not sure yeah i can't remember oh yeah that, that would have been a seven yeah oh yeah 2016 yep so, besides the iPhone 12, Lee, are there any other, like, tech devices that you're looking forward to this year? Well, Sony still has to come out with an A7S Mark III. Yes, they do. And possibly an A7 IV. So, I'm looking forward to those. Um, and then, obviously, we talked about the new MacBook. I probably won't buy it, but I'm excited to see it. And, yeah, the iPhone 12. I don't know if I'm excited for the iPhone 12. Are you? A little bit. Um, not. I mean, here's the thing, though. iPhones don't really change much year over year, but this year's iPhone is going to be pretty cool because obviously it'll be the first time that iPhones officially have like picture in picture on iOS 14, so that'll be nice. But I'm also excited about the fact that the iPhones will be returning to Qualcomm modems. Uh, we put up for the last three or four years they've been using Intel cellular modems and that. That terrible. So uh finally getting back to Qualcomm mode with some iPhones. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um they're gonna have 5G on them, so that'll be I mean that won't really matter much right now, but it'll be nice to have. But yeah, I mean it should be an, it should be a solid device. It's an I'm iPhone, actually it's a one, so. I forgot that they're coming out with a small the small version too, like a smaller iPhone twelve. Yeah, they're coming out with a uh five point four inch, yep. I know it sounds weird, but I'm actually excited for that. Ah, okay. I think I tweeted this out a couple days ago. I was like, I'd rather have a smaller bulge in my pocket mm-hmm. than have the bigger screen real estate because I have an iPad for that. So, yeah, I, I need a big phone. I can be messing with doing little phones. I got a, I have a, I have an iPhone SE twenty twenty is way too small. Yeah, I, well, that I, I screen is, is cropped, right? So, yeah, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. I can't do that, man. <laughs> Yeah, but I can't. I can't really think of anything else that's coming out this year. Uh, Red's coming out with a camera, a new camera called the Komodo, which is 
a little bit more budget friendly. So, you know, red cinema. Wait, red um, budget friendly in the same thing? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe. But this camera is supposed to be like seven grand and uh, shoots uh, red code raw, 4K, 60. I think it shoots 6K actually. And it's got a global I shutter. I love how he talking about Reg uh, releasing a budget friendly camera and he goes, oh, seven grand. <laughs> Well, compared to twenty grand or thirty grand, yeah, red, red, um, you know, red, and there are higher luxury in cameras and pricing. So yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of I've I've been seeing uh, like test footage come out from people that have I don't know if it's a beta model or like a demo model, but um, they they so you're able to pre-order. You had to email the like owner of Red to get one. And they were only sending out like small batches as they made them. And so the footage I've been seeing from them has been pretty like average, to be honest. And so I'm not sure why that is, but like it doesn't look like some sick thing shot on a red. And I don't know if that's just because it's test footage and they don't have any like jobs or things to try that out on. But I am excited for that camera just because of where it falls in the space is kind of competing with that. Uh, you know, I've heard of Z cam. They make like the smaller, they're like a new company that's come out of nowhere. That's making like full frame cinema cameras in the little tiny box. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's about it. Gotcha. Okay. So there's lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're almost done with the year. Well, we're not almost done, but we're in the latter half of the year, but there's still a lot of tech to come. Even oh, yeah. given our current living situation, being in the middle of a uh, global pandemic, there's still a lot of tech on the way for sure. So on your channel, you have a few videos about iPad. So I am curious. Yeah. Obviously, you said you have a MacBook Pro. You have you built your own Hackintosh. But it seems like you are a big fan of the iPad. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on this whole notion that your iPad can replace a laptop. <laughs> it's... It's funny. Someone actually messaged. Was it today? I have a, another photographer friend who messaged me today, and he was like, "Dude, I'm sitting outside of Best Buy. I'm gonna buy an iPad for for uh, photo retouching." And he's like a wedding wedding photographer, so he's like big time photographer. And I talked him out of it because I feel like if you're you're working in this industry and you're doing like tons of photos. Like if, if you're getting like batches of photos coming in, yes, the iPad's amazing for retouching. Cause like the latency on the pencils, like so little and, and Photoshop. Now you can pretty much do similar things to what you can do on the desktop. And it is awesome for retouching, but the biggest problem is not the iPad it's iOS and the limitation of not allowing you to work off of an external hard drive. So if you want to edit these photos, you got to transfer them all to the iPad first, then you can work on them, which is kind of a headache. And then you've got, you know, your, your iPad's going to fill up over time. You're not going to have it. I mean, I guess you could delete each project after you're done, but the workflow of bringing them in off of a, a card, saving them to the iPad, working on them and then exporting them back out just to save on an external hard drive seems like a lot of effort. <clears throat> And it's one of the big reasons why I personally wouldn't use it as a desktop replacement right now. That said, a lot of these apps now have keyboard and mouse support, which is amazing. And um, something like LumaFusion for video editing is definitely 
way more of a possibility now for me. Like I've used it quite a bit. It's good if you're out and doing stuff. And, and that's the same with photo editing too. Like if I'm, I got like 10 or 12 photos and I want to go to a coffee shop, which we can't really do right now because of the pandemic. But if I wanted to, I could go out um, even on my balcony or something and just work away. I enjoy working right on the tablet versus a computer. But if I have like serious tons of work to do, I can't work off the iPad. But um, I don't think I've ever recommended the iPad as a desktop replacement. I may have hinted at it for LumaFusion because I think LumaFusion is so powerful on the iPad. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my stance on the iPad as far as like working with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a nice device and, mo and for most of the average consumers out there, it could probably replace their laptop because they're not doing much work on their laptop. But for people like me and you that need to get actual work done, like video editing, like heavy video editing and just heavy workflows, I need my MacBook Pro. I'm, I mean, yes, I could, I could use LumaFusion on the iPad, but it's nothing like using a fully featured Final Cut Pro 10 on my MacBook Pro. I need Final Cut Pro. I need my plugins. I need all the little different bells and whistles that Final Cut Pro gives me that I can't get on LumaFusion. So while, like I said, while the iPad could be the laptop for a lot of people that don't do like pro-level work, and that's not, that's not to say that you can't do pro-level work on the iPad because you can, yeah. but no, I'll take my MacBook every day of the week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's just that awkward workflow still. I think, it, okay, so it's awesome that they added file management type stuff in the last version of iOS 13, I think. Did they add files last year? I can't remember. But when they added the file management, being able to make your own folders and stuff, that was huge. I was like, yes, we're, we're, on, we're on the right track here. Right, yep. And then they, but it's still not, you know what I mean? Like when you're working in Final Cut, and you want to like import like a picture or like a thing, or you want to do a thing and you want to just like pull something in. It's just like the file structure makes sense. Right. And the file structure is still a little awkward on iPad and who knows, who knows, like maybe it's, it's going to get better. I think that they definitely need to allow you to work off an external hard drive for sure. And you know, with faster USB-C ports and whatever, and actually something else I heard, which is off topic. So they're going to still have Thunderbolt three, working with the new Apple Silicon and yep. Thunderbolt three was kind of like an Intel Apple thing. Yep. So does that mean that the iPad could potentially also get Thunderbolt three support? Because then you could work off external hard drives. Uh, I don't know if the iPad going to get Thunderbolt three support. Cause I think like the whole point of Apple transitioning is to get away from Intel. So any link to Intel, Apple will try to cover So. I don't think sure. they will like add that to their iPad just because that that would be kind of going backwards for them and not going forward. Okay. Okay. I, I, I just read somewhere that the new MacBooks were going to support Thunderbolt three still. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that is true. I, I, I thought that too. So yeah, I, I, yeah, Apple, even Apple, I think Apple came out with a official statement the other day, I think yesterday saying that uh, Apple uh, is still going to support Thunderbolt three. So they're definitely supporting it on the, even on their MacBook, but, I can't see it coming to or, or being supported by iPad in the future. Not really. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just the thought I had because somehow we got to be able to work off external hard drives to make the iPad more of a, a, a working device for me anyway. Oh, we got Renee Rich in the chat. Renee says Apple hasn't, uh, he said Apple hasn't surfaced any PCIe lane for iPad and Thunderbolt need a uh, PCIe. Okay. There True. You go. Yeah. Right. That'll be all based off the chip and the, 
uh, motherboard or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All right, you said the uh, Thunderbolt 4 freely licensed and likely bundled into USB 4 for Apple Silicon. Okay. All right. Oh. So yeah, that 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 will that will probably be a thing. But yeah, Thunderbolt 3 and iPad probably not. Thunder Thunderbolt or USB 4. Yeah. What is your thought on foldable phones? I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. I think they look cool. That Samsung uh, Flip looks really cool. I don't think Apple should ever do it, but I, <laughs> it's just, I feel like it's another area, like a, a, a part that can break, you know, like a, it's asking for too much. Right. As soon as you get a hinge in there and the screen folding, and I understand that they've got robots to do this all day long, but right. that's not going in and out of your pocket with lint getting caught in it or sand or whatever. And, stuff smashing against it i i think it's cool i think it's amazing they can do it but i personally wouldn't buy one have you tried the flip i have not no i have not got my hands on that one yet what about you i mean it's cool that we are going that direction but i think it's just a fave more than anything i don't know if multiple phones are going to be the future like some people seem to think they are but but right now i mean they're better than boring slap the glass that we've been used to for over the past decade so and I'm definitely interested in the Samsung Fold 2 that's coming next month. So definitely interested to see what they do with that. But as a whole, I mean, I think I'm I'm kind of on the same page with you. I don't I'm not really like excited for a potential Apple foldable device. I don't think it's necessary, but I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, there's been rumored patents floating around. Oh yeah, I've seen those, yeah. Like you said, man, it's it's kind of like a phase, like the way curved cell phones were you know when they had the the curved screen mm-hmm. i just like that's not comfortable in your pocket <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. i get that the the fold is a different idea yeah fold don't don't give me thought on curved display curved displays are just useless Ugh. yeah no no 100%. no need man no need this is actually a curved display okay i mean a curved monitor or whatever. but it's that's it's very it's a very subtle curve it's not like a really intense curve Right. And it's funny because when I'm looking at this monitor, it doesn't feel like there's a big curve to it. All it does is it brings like the edges in just a little bit. And I think it will unify the, the colors, like the, the, the lighting across mm-hmm. the panel when it curves a little bit. But it's funny when I look at like a flat panel like this other monitor, it actually looks like it's bowing the other way just because I'm so used to looking at this. Yeah. But yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if I'd like want a curved curve TV. Curved monitor is fine, but yeah, curved phone, yeah. Uh, you can miss me with that. But Lee Zabich, excellent conversation, man. Thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem. Before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Pretty much anywhere with my name. So it's youtube.com slash Lee Zavitz. Same thing for Instagram, instagram.com slash Lee Zavitz. But on Twitter, my Instagram got hacked. So it's my name backwards. So it's twitter.com slash Zavitz Lee. So I lost it. I couldn't get it back. I tried whatever. Oh, that's not cool. But yeah, you can find me at all those different spots and uh, come hang out, subscribe, check out my content. Definitely. Uh-oh, Renee has a last minute question. Renee trying to start wars in the chat oh, again. Oh, no. no. Lee, 30 frame per second versus 24. Where, which side of the ledger are you on? 24, but I'm shooting in 30 right now just because it's it works. It works on live stream. 
but I yeah, wanna, typically I 24. Too, I, think, uh, I think Gerald said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, typically it's 24. I got to try that. Gotcha. Shout out to those of y'all that listen this week on audio only. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bike Drive with me and Lee Zavage. I appreciate you guys support the podcast each and every episode. If you want to go check out Lee and his content, his information will be in the show notes. So definitely go check him out. Also, like I said earlier, if you want to support the podcast, please check the links in the show notes. None of it is required, but anything that you're willing to contribute is greatly appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as to help more people discover the podcast. And we're trying to get back into the top 200 of tech podcasts over there on Apple Podcasts. So anything that you could do to help with that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.